Continuing on in the Upper Room Discourse this morning, we're going to wrap up chapter 14. Very uh, exciting part of the scriptures, actually, because this is where we get introduced to the Helper, who we know is the Holy Spirit, according to verse 26. Keep in mind, this is the last night that Jesus is with his best friends, and they're having this meal together. He already knows that he's going to go through an immense amount of suffering in a matter of hours. He knows that he is being betrayed. He knows he's going to be denied. He knows he's going to be carrying the burden of the entire universe's sins upon his shoulder. And in in the middle of all of this, his last night of physical life, we witness the composure of Jesus how composed he is, that he's, he's in control, and he shares some very important parting words with his disciples, and this is kind of what we're focusing on for the next several weeks. Now, I'm not sure that his disciples were completely, fully aware of his imminent departure, but Jesus knows he's leaving, and so he leaves them with these important words, and let me share them with you. I'm just going to read verses 15 through 24 to start. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. The Holy Spirit. And they were going to need the Spirit. Imagine you've been with Jesus for three solid years. You've witnessed him do everything that he's done. You saw the crowds. You experienced the miracles. You haven't had much experience in the past three years without Jesus. You've been living your life meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, every hour. And so imagine the amount of insecurity they must have felt to hear that Jesus is leaving. But Jesus says he's not leaving them alone. There will be another helper, the Holy Spirit. Now put yourself in the disciples' shoes and you're told that you're going to have this Holy Spirit. But the thing is, is you know Jesus. You're not so sure about Holy Spirit, like who's that? Because Jesus, I know your voice. I know you so well that if people ask me the color of your eyes, I can tell them I can recognize you from afar just by the way that you walk. I can see that that's Jesus over there. I know everything about you. I've been with you for so long. But what do I know about the Holy Spirit that you're talking about? Yet Jesus tells them another helper will be with them forever. Now, of course, we don't have to choose. We can have both. 
right? We have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and just as the disciples did, but it would be a scary time to go through change. And even though Jesus will give them another helper, another parakletos, which can then also be translated to comforter, can also be translated to counselor, advocate. But it seems that counselor is probably the, the most similar synonym to parakletos, and Jesus will give them another counselor. This word another is fascinating. I hope to point something out to you about this word. The word another actually has two meanings, doesn't it? One meaning is a different kind another of a different kind. The second meaning is of the same kind, another of the same kind, right? So if you were to offer someone another cookie, the question is, are you offering them another cookie of the different kind, or are you offering a cookie of the same kind? Because it could be a plate of assorted cookies, and so it's a different kind, or if it's the same kind of cookie. So the Greek word for another here means another of the same kind. Did I lose anyone yet? I lost you guys? Oh no, you're good? Okay, we're good. So Jesus is saying he will give them another helper of the same kind. Not a different cookie. Right? So another chocolate chip cookie he's going to give them. Right? He's going to give them a chocolate chip cookie made with butter, sugar, eggs, flour, and chocolate chips. Same kind. Not a cookie that's sugar-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, you know. Different kind. Right? That's a different kind. That's another cookie. Different type. He is saying another helper. Same kind of helper. Chocolate chip. It's a chocolate chip. So when Jesus leaves them, he's leaving them with another of the same, not a different. So everything they've experienced with Jesus in the last three years, they're going to experience with the same Holy Spirit. And so this same is someone you already know. It's a taste you're familiar with already. You've already had this because you've been with me for three years. So you, you know him. And it is someone that they're going to find familiar with in ministry because they've already experienced this in the last three years with ministry with Jesus. That same experience with the Holy Spirit is going to be the same with Jesus. And so it will be as if Jesus is kind of continuing on the ministry. And how so? How can that even be? Let's continue on these verses here starting in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the same kind, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claims on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So firstly, 
the Holy Spirit is given to us as a teacher. You know, one of the first thoughts of loss that they might be going through in their minds is that we, we are going to lose our teacher. Do all of you remember who your favorite teacher was growing up? Everybody? Mrs. James. Bar none. Like, hands down for me, Mrs. James, my kindergarten teacher. Only teacher ever invited to my house by my parents to have dinner. Only one. And I think she was one of my parents' favorite teachers, too. They never invited my sister's teachers, ever. Mrs. James was the only one ever invited into our house. Now, I think my entire family was worried about who my next teacher would be, right? And, and that even though I was going to have an, another teacher, it's not going to be the same kind. Different kind of teacher. First grade teacher. That there would be a loss but Jesus is telling them, the Holy Spirit will teach you all of the same things, same kind, and bring to you all remembrance, all of the same teachings that I've taught you. So same teacher. It's like Mrs. James going to first grade with me. Right? Another year, but it'll be the same teacher. And that would have been great, but that didn't happen. I had another teacher of a different kind. I don't even remember her name. Right? So, now, that's a reasonable fear to have in these transitions. And so this reasonable fear is in them that if Jesus left, they wouldn't have his presence anymore. They would forget about him. They wouldn't have these memories of what he taught them, that they would know him less as time went on, that these memories of Jesus would fade over time. But Jesus told them, he will teach you all things, the same things I would teach you. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You won't forget. It's the same kind. It's the same spirit. Now look back to verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now this day is speaking of the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came. And in that day, the day of Pentecost, you will know that I am in my Father, and you and in me, and I in you. Okay, so we know that in that day, Pentecost... What does that mean? The I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Like, what, what is all of that? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 starting in verse 9 to hopefully give us some insight into this. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. So realize 
there are no gaps in the relationships between Holy Spirit and God the Father and the Son. That he knows even the depths of God. That the Holy Spirit is given to them, to us, who knows even the depths of God and knows the depths of us. And the things that can be revealed to us through that relationship. And so for any of us who have the Holy Spirit, we know Jesus. The same. Now look back to verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. That we are empowered by the Holy Spirit who is teaching us about Jesus who is in us. We've all had experience teaching, haven't we? We've all taught someone something. Even my youngest children, when they were babies and toddlers, they were teaching me things. Right? They were teaching me about my lack of patience and my temper and uh, how I function with the lack of sleep. Like They taught me so much. So we teach people things all the time, no matter where we are in life. We teach. And so we've all had that wish that as a teacher, somehow what I am teaching will hopefully get inside of them to help them better understand what we're trying to teach them. Like, don't we do that as like parents or teachers or coaches or whatever? We're like, come on, can you just get it? Get it. To help them, right? To help them get past the things that are holding them back from fully learning something. This is the awesome thing about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit opens us up to be taught things. And so the Holy Spirit is given to us as a teacher. The second thing is he's given to us to be a counselor. Now we have different types of counselors today. You can go approach legal counsel. And so that attorney is counseling you in legal matters. And so we also have counselors who do things for personal matters. So they're not legal, but they're personal. And so it deals with your dysfunctions or your addictions or your relationships, struggles, problems, things of personal matters. So two different types of counselors. Now the word counselor here encompasses all of it. It's all of it. So today, if you were to go seek legal counsel, most likely you would either ask your friends for a referral, right? You'd say like, hey, who's your attorney for this? Or you'd ask somebody that's gone through a certain thing, hey, who did you use for this? Or you'd search. You'd search and you'd see like Google reviews and be like, three stars, never mind, next, right? Or you'd look up Yelp or you'd look up something and, and you'd search for it. Then you'd pay a retainer, you'd move forward with this legal representation regarding your legal matter and it totally worked differently in Palestinian society. Because if you wanted legal counsel back in that day, you typically went to your best friend. So hopefully you worked in wise circles. But you went to someone who actually knew you best and that you would trust would represent you in a really positive way because they knew you best. And that person was for you. You didn't have any doubt because this is your best friend. And you'd ask your trusted friend, you'd ask your paraclete, your counselor, I got in this situation and I need someone who's going to represent me in front of the court, 
who knows me better than anyone, who can speak to me and, and who's credible for me and, and has lived life with me to speak on my behalf and to defend me. Would you do it? And this is what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit came to do for Jesus, to be Jesus' best friend, that the Holy Spirit knew Jesus better than anyone, and the Holy Spirit will be representing Christ to us. That's what happened at Pentecost. They learned on a deeper level who Jesus is and how they are to respond to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the counselor who proves to us Jesus is the promised Savior, the Messiah. The Holy Spirit is the counselor who is bringing our lives into harmony with God and empowering us to live for the glory of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who's given to us as a teacher and a counselor. And then lastly, as a homemaker. Look back to chapter 14 and verse 1. Look at how that began. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I was at a memorial service last weekend, and memorial services tend to be reunions for a lot of people, right? People that haven't seen each other for years. They come together and they see each other. Decades ago, they haven't seen each other. So... There's this couple I know really well, and when the reception was over, they kind of left right away. They left earlier than the other people that were lingering around at the reception, and why did they leave? Because they left to prepare a place for all the guests that they kind of reunited with to come over to their home after the memorial service and have dinner with each other. And so they were actually preparing weeks before this memorial service preparing their home, getting their home ready, and enough tables and chairs, and buying food and preparing food. They did this for weeks. You see, Jesus is preparing a place for us in the Father's presence. He's left a little early to prepare. And the Holy Spirit is given to us so that the Holy Spirit goes ahead to make our hearts a dwelling place for God. Look at verse 21 and 23. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. In verse 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our homes with him. You see, this is what it means to be a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit. We will come to him and make our home with him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's plural there, right? We will come. See, the Christian is somebody with whom, through the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son come to make our lives a place where they call it home. You're embodying that. They're calling you home. Now, home is an all-important place, right? It's where we belong. It's where 
we're known and we're loved. It's a place of safety and security. And it's not just where you know your home is. It's also where others know where you belong to as well. Where they know you're loved there. You're secure there. You're safe there. And so they know who your heavenly father is. So we have teacher, counselor, homemaker. And preparing a home is probably the one of the three that doesn't get enough credit. Because we can give a lot of credit to a teacher and a lot of credit to a counselor. But when we're thinking of homemaker, maybe we don't really think of that too often. But it's a significant part of what Jesus went to do. The Holy Spirit is harmoniously working in us a place of home for God. Pointing us to Christ and the majesty of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is making us a holy place where the Father and the Son are at home in us. And homemaking is demanding work. It takes a lot of work. And the Holy Spirit is making us ready for the presence of the Father and the Son. Now there's this question that is always asked by non-believers. And it's that surrounding suffering or struggles or the lack of peace or war or why is life so hard. It's all of these sorts of things. And I want to share with you a quote from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. If you haven't read that book yet, please do. Highly recommend one of the top, also along with last week's recommendation of Thomas Kempis's Imitation of Christ. Please read those books. They're transformative books. But let me share with you a quote out of Mere Christianity. And hopefully it kind of sums up some things that's going on in this passage. It goes like this. Imagine yourself as... A living house. God comes in to rebuild that house, and at first, perhaps you can understand what He is doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, He starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is He up to? The explanation is that He is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. See, I think most people think this homemaker role is just renovating a little cottage. For any of you homemakers out there, you dads and moms, is that true of your child? Is that all you want out of them? You just want to maintain them as a little tent that you just erected up? Like, no, you want to make them into a castle, you want to make them into a palace. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing with us. Why do you go through suffering? Why do you go through struggle? Why do you go through all these things in your life? Big renovation going on. Huge. Some of you more than others. 
And he's coming to live in it. He's coming to live in you. The king is coming. He doesn't live in a little cottage. He lives in a palace. And that is what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. See, when Jesus left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. It's not given to everyone. It's only given to those who belong to him. And what a privilege we have that we have the Holy Spirit as our teacher, our counselor, and our homemaker. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, uh, hard to see that you're not done yet with us and yet continuing to teach us things, continuing to counsel us on things, continuing to remodel us. And Lord, I ask that we would submit ourselves to that. And for anyone who does not know you yet, I pray that their hearts, minds, eyes would be opened to receiving your spirit. That they would be shaped, made, remodeled into a home for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if anyone would like that this morning who is here or listening online, if you're here, Mike, one of our elders, is in the left front pew. He would love to pray with you. And if you're online, you can contact us by email or going to your local church to talk to the local pastor there to talk about Jesus. I want to invite you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't have your communion elements, please hold up your hand and we'll get that over to you. It is the Passover that they're celebrating at that upper room. In years past, we've done the Passover Seder here, which is so rich in symbolism and meaning, um, and we haven't done that in a number of years, but hopefully we'll do that again soon. But this is symbolizing that bread, broken body of Christ that was broken for us, that we would have relationship with Christ. And we take this in remembrance of what Jesus did until his return. The fruit of the vine symbolizing the blood of Christ shed for us. In a few hours from chapter 14, he would be hanging on the cross, taking upon the sins of the world on himself and being a sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would not only prepare our hearts for Easter, but for something even greater in your return. Not something that happened 2,000 years ago, but something that is coming. And so we look forward to that, Lord. We're eager for that. And we ask, God, that you would prepare us for that, that we would live honoring that. In Jesus' name, amen.